Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Good morning. It is a joy to see all of you on this Sunday. It may not be the sunniest of Sundays, but it certainly draws us very well into the season. And it's a joy to be here with you. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Nancy Johnson. I'm the Minister of Congregational Care here at Athens First, and it's a joy to be with you on this day. Today we are continuing in a sermon series called The Art of Gratitude that Jeremy started for us just last week, and we're going to be following this all the way through Thanksgiving. And today we consider the spirit that moves us. The spirit that moves us. And we're going to be reading from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Hear these words of scripture. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of the tears that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. These are the words of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, long before Jesus walked the earth, The ancient Celtic people of Northern Europe and the British Islands held two annual festivals. One was at the end of winter, when they could turn the herds back out to graze, and the other was at the end of summer, when the weather began to turn cold and the harvest was finished and the herds were brought in again. This winter feast was called Sowen. And it was a celebration that included banquets and great bonfires on high hills to encourage the waning sun. It was to give the sun and probably the people the strength to last through the harsh winter. And the festival was important for another reason. It was believed that on this night, Spirits of other realms were set free to roam the earth. Ancestors long past would now visit the living. And the living would prepare for them by making their favorite foods to set out so that they could be enjoyed by the ghosts of family who would be weary from their travels in the world beyond. But the ancestors weren't the only spirits believed to roam the earth on that night. Phantoms were also believed to be released on the countryside, and if villagers weren't careful, these demons would make their home among them. And so the people wore masks and fearsome costumes in order to confuse the evil spirits or to frighten them away altogether. 
They were entering a season that they believed belonged to the spirit world. A time when it was shadowy and night fell early and the darkness lingered. And their festivities were meant to prepare them for the days ahead. Now, centuries later, when Christianity came to this area, the church leaders were astute enough to assimilate the pagan traditions rather than simply doing away with them, and they wanted to convert the pagans gradually and happily. Pope Gregory wrote, let the shrines of idols by no means be destroyed, let water be consecrated, sprinkled in the temples, let altars be erected so that the people, not seeing their temples destroyed, may displace error and recognize and adore the true God. And so the church leaders built up celebrations around the festivities of Soen that carried similar features and meanings, a holiday called All Saints Day which was originally settled in May, was now reestablished and celebrated on November 1st, the day after the festival of the departed ancestors. And soon after that, the Feast of All Souls was established on November 2nd to remember not just the saints, but all of the loved ones who had departed. Now, these new Christians were encouraged to remember the dead with prayers rather than food or sacrifices. Instead of cooking food for spirits that may come to the door, there was a new practice that was put in place to cook and to bake a thing called a soul cake, which was a small pastry that was given to the poor who would come to the door, given in exchange for prayers for the departed. Now, in some countries, these pastries were called bones of the holy, which would put just about anybody off the refreshment table. But these things were used not just to replace something that was once made for the departed, but now to provide food for the living. And in this way, the church actually helped to begin a practice that now became trick-or-treating because young people began going from door to door singing souling songs and wanting something to eat in exchange. And so our kids, as they go from door to door, are only following in this old tradition. Now, the church also encouraged people to continue to wear the costumes that they wore before, but now they were religious masquerades or parades to honor the saints. And they told people that their bonfires may not actually fuel the sun, but they certainly might scare the devil away. And all of their festivities took on new meanings and their celebrations gradually changed. In fact, even the name changed from Soen to the name that we now know, which the church also had a role in, the night before All Saints Day was known as All Hallows' Eve. And All Hallows' Eve became Halloween. Now, I don't know about you all, but when I was young, I loved Halloween. It was absolutely my favorite holiday. As soon as there was a chill in the air, I would come home from elementary school and I would sit at my desk and I would draw pictures of pumpkins and bats and skeletons. And it wasn't that I was necessarily all that macabre as a child, but I just loved this eerie, spooky holiday. 
Now, as an adult, I've come to find out that there's a name given to this condition. It's called having the spooky gene. Author Lent Hatcher, who wrote in his book, The Magic Eight Ball Test, a Christian defense of Halloween and all things spooky, he writes that there are just certain kinds of adults who will stand in the Halloween section of Walmart and say, wow, until all of the other kids look at you funny. And I'm one of those, maybe you are too, And I'm also a deeply committed Christian, and maybe you are too. And this is the time of year that we look around and we begin to ask ourselves about the kind of spirit that moves us. Now, there are many Christians nowadays that think of alternatives for Halloween celebrations so that our youngest disciples might be able to celebrate something a little bit less spooky or dark. In fact, it's been suggested that we could have Reformation Day parties instead of Halloween parties, because who wouldn't want to do that, right? And it's true, we do celebrate these things on the same day. Tomorrow, October 31st, is Reformation Day, even as much as it is Halloween. And this is the day that we remember and we celebrate German priest Martin Luther, who nailed his 95 theses to the door of the All Saints Church in Wittenberg in 1517. This was considered to be the beginning of what became the Protestant Reformation. These 95 theses or grievances were all about the Roman Catholic Church and arguing against the selling of indulgences through which the church raised funds by promising to make adjustments to a loved one's eternal state. So we remember and we celebrate these actions by Martin Luther and we have to acknowledge they have a very real impact on our life and our faith today but it doesn't give us a whole lot of possibilities for costumes. I can't imagine many of our kids wanting to roam our neighborhoods as German priests. And I haven't figured out yet how to dress up as an indulgence. Although I guess on the bright side, you could nail complaints to the door that anybody doesn't give you candy. That's the only upside I could think of, and most people don't really think of that as an adequate substitution. But more important, on this day of Halloween, as the seasons begin to change, we consider the spirit that moves in our lives. What is it that guides us day by day? What is it that helps us to live faithfully with our neighbors? What is it that reminds us to be grateful for the many ways that God has blessed us and sustained us throughout the year? Now, in our scripture passage today, the Apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy to remember that same spirit, the spirit of faith and of gratitude that lives in him. He calls him, this is the spirit that calls Timothy to ministry in places and in circumstances that he may not find easy or feel ready for, in places that may be intimidating. But Paul is calling him to set all of that aside because of the spirit that is in him. This spirit, Paul is saying, is not the spirit of fear. 
It is not the spirit of cowardice or intimidation, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And of this whole scripture passage, perhaps these are the most well-known words. But what I find particularly important is Paul's pointing out that this same spirit is not only in him, but also is in his mother Eunice, was also in his grandmother Lois. It is a spirit that immersed him throughout his life and that empowers him to do more than may seem possible. Paul calls on Timothy to remember this, even as Paul himself looks back to his own ancestors, to his own forefathers and their faith that drew him across the generations to faith in a living God, to recognize this spirit of genuine faith that had kept them from generation to generation. Now, over the past few weeks, my own family has had something of an adventure in exploring the elements of our family history. Some of you may know that my mother, who is still with us, lives in Georgia now. She is in a personal care home over in Atlanta. And even though now she is under hospice care, she expressed a desire to do something that has always been a very important part of her life. She wanted to vote in the upcoming election. And we wanted to give my mother this opportunity, but there were a lot of preparations that we needed to make for this trip because my mother only moved here to Georgia just a few years ago. In fact, it was right before the COVID lockdown. And so we never got my mom a Georgia ID. And of course, if we want to vote, if she wants to vote, then we needed that ID. And so we began collecting all of the documents that we needed for this ID. Some of them we had never needed before. Some of them we had never laid eyes on, at least not in a very long time, possibly ever. And we needed a birth certificate from her small town in Mississippi where she was born in 1939. We needed her marriage license that we were lucky enough to find in an old box full of documents and journals and other files in a box in a closet that one of us had. We needed her past driver's license from her years in Florida. We needed her utility bills to prove that she now lived right here in our state. And drawing all of these documents together took us on a journey through her life and through the life of our family. And we got the ID that we needed, and we were able to take mom to do this important thing that allowed her to have an impact on her world. And putting all of these documents together tells the story, not only of her life, but the life of our grandparents and the generations before. It tells us of the journey that brought us to the place where we are today. And we can measure our lives by the spirit that has been passed down through the generations across the states that has brought us here today and that will carry us into the future. And Paul reminds Timothy of this spirit that is meant to move him, that is meant to move in each one of us, that is meant to direct our actions, our days, our lives. And he tells Timothy 
that the spirit is not one of fear, which I find interesting because this is a season that is all about fear. We enjoy the spooky and the ghostly and the terrifying, although we also have to admit that when Halloween is over, there will still be plenty in our world that might call us, cause us to fear. We know that across the Atlantic, there is a war happening that affects people all over the world. We know that each year we witness natural disasters and it seems like we barely have the time to recover from one before we're moving into the next. We know that our world, our climate is changing and threatening our ability to sustain ourselves and future generations. And in our time, we are beginning to have fear for one another whether our differences are ethnic or ideological, whether we come from different places or different political parties, we have begun to respond to one another by fearing each other, by fearing our world, by fearing whether or not we have enough. And the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us that we can maintain the right spirit by realizing and celebrating the many ways that we are sustained by the hand of God through the generations, by thankfully acknowledging all that our good God has given to us and how that same God calls us to be peacemakers in our place and in our time. This is the spirit that God calls us to have, the spirit that moves in us. That spirit is faith. That spirit is gratitude. That spirit is love. And as we have learned from those who have gone before us, we can take that spirit in each moment and each day And this is how we overcome fear, by knowing the God who works in each of us and offers blessing to all of us together. Now, tomorrow night, we are going to have children roaming our neighborhoods. Or at least I hope we are. I hope we're going to have children in my neighborhood. This is my first Halloween in Athens, and I have no idea what kind of ghouls or goblins are going to be coming to our door, although I really hope we see a lot of them. But if they come, we know that the children in our neighborhood are going to be dressed in all kinds of different costumes. They may be dressed as a ghost or a superhero or a movie star or maybe even a politician, but we also know that underneath They are our flesh and blood kids. They will all have the same amazing sugar high tomorrow night, and then they will all crash together and hopefully have a good night's sleep. And we know that they're all going to need a trip to the dentist in just a few short weeks, right? We are much the same under the surface, like the children who are going to be walking in our neighborhoods tomorrow night once the masks come off. We're all children once again, and the days move on, and we move into a new, a new month and into a new set of holidays, and we remember that there is nothing 
to be afraid of. We remember the lessons of the ancients who gave us this holiday to begin with. We remember all that we've learned from those who've gone before, not in fear, but the spirit that they gave us that we will hand on to those who come after, the spirit of God, the spirit of love. And like them, we will look toward the things that are beyond what our eyes can see. Maybe trick-or-treating isn't your thing. Maybe you aren't inspired by the idea of carving out a face in a pumpkin. But I do pray that daily you will remember with gratitude all that our good God has done for us. I pray that daily you keep the spirit of faith that has been handed down to you by all of those who've gone before. And I pray for all of us that we continue to be drawn by the Spirit who brings us all together and makes us one. Let's pray together. Loving God, we give you thanks for your Holy Spirit that moves in us Lord, may we keep that spirit in every day so that we can respond with love and gratitude to all the blessings that you give us so that we can respond with compassion to our brothers and sisters. Make us yours now and always, for we pray this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.